Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we are in the offseason, officially. Um, we're looking at what's going to happen. Of course, everybody knows that the entire offensive staff got fired, and but Fluce is still there. Not the entire staff. Oh, yeah. Who, who stayed? The tight end coach, they right? They kept Simo. Oh yeah, that's right. And I think I think the tight end coach too. <laughs> yeah, the tight that's uh, we can't forget about Simo. Yeah, and it's funny. It, it's funny because that was on my list of things to discuss during the episode, right? Because the Bears have been going through their carousel of offensive coordinator interviews, and everyone seems pretty underwhelmed with the candidates. What was it? Seven guys. I think, are I think seven so far, and not including. Cliff Kingsbury, who is going to be interviewed. Oh, Cliff Kingsbury. God, <laughs> that guy sucks. Well, this can't be surprising to anybody. We've talked at length about why this isn't a very desirable job. <laughs> and when we, we've talked about it being a lame duck situation, but last episode we were recording like right after the coaching news had come out, and... I'm not sure that I had fully processed that they were retaining part of the offensive coaching staff because to me that makes the job even worse. <laughs> because you got a couple of leftovers that you have to take. Yeah, not only can you are are, are you coming into potentially a lame duck situation for Matt Eberflus, but also like arguably the most important coach on your offensive staff the offensive line coach you don't even get to choose yeah that is uh, that's a, <laughs> a a strange ball right there so that it, when you add all that up i'm not surprised that the list of candidates that they've been interviewing isn't really that great because you know what the really really great offensive minds in the game are doing they're interviewing for or already are head coaches <laughs> yeah so I don't know where this is going to land. I can't say that I have like a favorite of any candidate that they've interviewed so far. Has anybody really stuck out to you? No. Uh, you know, um, we uh, we thought there'd be some retreads. We thought, uh, and there certainly has been plenty of those. Um, you know, seeing guys that are going to make a lateral move, that, that bothers me too. I haven't seen really any new, young, fresh faces, but... I wouldn't really expect that, you know, because that's what they just did with Getsy. Yeah, and sometimes you strike gold when you do that, when you hire somebody that was a quarterback coach or was another offensive assistant that hasn't called plays before, but other times that doesn't work. And the thing that scares me about going down that route again of hiring an uh, inexperienced offensive coordinator or an OC that hasn't called plays before is that Matt Eberflus doesn't seem like he's got any involvement in the offense at all. Yeah, so. I, I don't want to do that. I would much rather have the a, a veteran that has experience with it. It's simply because if we're gonna if we were gonna do that, then why even get rid of Getzey? He, he's already gotten to do two years of on-the-job training, and now you you just fired that guy and his and most of the staff, like you said, and now you're going to bring in a guy, oh, here's your offensive line coach and your tight ends coach, and, you know, we're going to be staring at you because everybody knows in the NFL that the Bears have done poorly on offense for the last three seasons, so 
the eyeballs are going to be directly on you. The but last hundred years. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, you, you look at this list. Hey, there was 85. Yeah, true. And uh, the 2013, right? The first Trustman year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But remember when Matt Nagy was the that coach? That literally is number two. Yeah, and I think they were second in the NFL that year. Yeah. So pretty, pretty good, actually. Yeah. But remember when Matt Nagy was the head coach and everyone always said, well, Vic Fangio is the head coach of the defense. Yeah. Because Matt Nagy didn't have any interest in the defense and he probably couldn't have even told you who some of the defensive players' <laughs> names were. And it's kind of the opposite situation right now, it seems like, because Matt Eberflus runs the defense and last year literally ran the defense for most of the season. And this year... I presume he'll be doing more of the same. And it seems like he kind of just lets the offensive coordinator run the offense. It seems like there's very limited oversight there. So when you're talking about some of these inexperienced play callers, that scares me because you end up in a situation like, here's Luke Getze calling 15 screens a game when it's clear that Brian Flores has figured out what you're trying to do. Right. And, the head coach needs to get on the microphone at that point and say, hey, dummy, stop doing that. <laughs> but that clearly doesn't seem to be a thing on this staff. So I agree with you that I'd like somebody that has called plays at the NFL level before. And honestly, when I heard that they were interviewing Cliff Kingsbury, that was the first candidate where I really kind of took a step back and had a little bit of interest just because he has called a lot of plays he he certainly has and we know he was a bad head coach and his plays were primarily pass 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 so pass 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 yeah pass 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 his running his run volume when he was with the cardinals is actually better than people think yeah i know it it, it improved it improved in arizona and i understand he was a bad head coach and I, I'm not even saying that, like, I really want him as the offensive coordinator. <laughs> it's just that that was the first candidate that had come up on the list. Where I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. At least he has experience. He's got experience. He worked with Caleb Williams last year because I think he was, like, a consultant for USC. Really? I think so. He's got some connection to Caleb Williams. I think he was part of USC's staff hmm. last year. And the other thing that I like about it is just that because he's been a head coach before, even though he was a bad head coach, he still has aspirations of being a head coach again, which I think could be a good thing on this staff because what I don't really want is Matt Eberflus to just hire one of his buddies and it's just kind of let's get the gang back together and that's what it would be if they hired like a Frank Reich. So if... Cliff Kingsbury ends up being the guy, number one, I think that's a clear signal that they're likely to draft Caleb Williams. And number two, I wouldn't hate it. And I try really hard in situations like this to remember that just because you were a bad head coach doesn't mean you're a bad coordinator. True. Different jobs. I don't necessarily love the idea of Cliff Kingsbury just because I think he's kind of a goof and I just... He was... um... Uh, well, he he is senior offensive analyst and quarterbacks coach for USC. <laughs> so there you go, quite a step down from being the head coach of an NFL team. But, yeah. Hey, maybe he was still recovering from that trip to Taiwan that he took after he got fired. <laughs> Ty, Ty, Thailand, not Taiwan. Um, he, it says that um, he is known for developing quarterback 
prospects, Johnny Manziel, Patrick Mahomes, and Kyler Murray. Yeah, and Kyler happened at the NFL level, so he's got that on his resume. Yeah. If they're drafting a quarterback, then at least you'd have an OC that's developed a quarterback before at this level. But I don't know. I I don't even think they've interviewed him yet, so we're kind of putting the cart ahead of the horse a little bit. But I can promise you this. Whoever the Bears end up hiring, people aren't going to like it. I, I think it's no. very unlikely that they hire an offensive coordinator that the fan base is really excited about because it's either going to be a retread or it's going to be somebody that's inexperienced that is just kind of a dart throw. So He has uh, 17 passing yards in the NFL. I think he's got a Super Bowl ring, too. Was, <laughs> he does. I, wasn't he like the Patriots scout team quarterback or something yeah, like he, that? Yeah, he, it does list Super Bowl champion. All right. right. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that would be the most entertaining hire, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I think that would definitely generate the most buzz and probably be the most interesting to follow but he was selected by the patriots with the 201st pick in the sixth round of the 03 draft did not play in his rookie season of 2003 spending the year on injured reserve for the patriots however he did get a super bowl ring then he was waived by the patriots (laughs) that'll happen but I guess he got the ring, and he was a head coach for like four years, right? So he made some good money and got to spend time in that beautiful mansion that he took a picture of during the 2020 draft when everybody was doing the draft from home. That was uh, it looked looked like a pretty comfortable living situation, if nothing else. But well, I mean, you know, like you said, uh, he does have um, he does have experience. Um, I, I know I certainly would be more comfortable with him uh, as a uh, as as a as a prospective offensive coordinator since we because as we discussed he does have extensive experience doing that and um, he has worked with mobile quarterbacks uh, you know Kyler Murray uh, it, even Manziel was a very mobile quarterback when he was playing at Texas you know so um, uh, you know, and of course, uh, he was Mahomes' coach the entire time he was at uh, Texas Tech. So, uh, and that's when Mahomes threw for like six thousand yards, or some crazy amount. He was throwing the game. He was throwing the ball like sixty times a game. Yeah, and if the Bears end up moving down this road, people will say that Kingsbury's win loss record at Texas A and M and at or not Texas A&M, Texas Tech. Yeah. And with Arizona, wasn't very good. But you're not hiring him to be the head coach. Right. And that and that is, that's a, you know, a, a key detail because we need somebody to come in and strictly make the priority working with number one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, or whoever the, whoever the quarterback is um, going into next year, that has been... The bane of the of the Chicago Bears forever, and it's the it's the problem that must be addressed. That whoever that they have working with the quarterback needs to be able to figure out how to get the most out of them. And if Caleb Williams likes working with him, and the Bears are going to draft Caleb Williams, then that hire to me would make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense. And yeah. If that means that. 
Kingsbury's the coach for a year, and then you fire Matt Eberflus and make Cliff Kingsbury the head coach. <laughs> wouldn't love that, but let's get the good first year out yeah, of the that's, way first, right? That's, like, that's, that's certainly, you know, off in the distance. Let's... Let, let's lot, figure lot out of, a lot of ifs in that sense. Yeah, there. let's let's figure out who's going to be behind center. No, let's figure out who's going to coach the guy behind center, and then figure out who's going to be behind center. Which it really kind of goes back to what you know your original thought was, and that is, please have whoever's going to coach the guy behind center be good with that person. <laughs> you know, have him have some input into that, so we can please make sure that. They're on the same page because I, I still will say I don't think that Getsy and Fields were ever really in tune with each other. Nope. So, so you know, and, and, and that's uh, we need to see if they keep if they keep Fields. Um, obviously, it's going to be his third guy going into his fourth year, and that is not sustainable for anybody uh in in his position no certainly not ideal and you think back to the quote from the giants owner when they hired dayball someone asked him about daniel jones and the owner john mara said we've done everything we can to screw him up (laughs) because it was the same thing there it was like three coaches in his first four years and that's just not a good environment to develop a quarterback. I think we all know that, and and that, and he's not very good. He, no, he's not. <laughs> but he, he he's better than he was his first couple years, and I still don't think we've seen the best of Justin Fields because, in part, the fact that he's been coached poorly. Yeah. And I think we've kind of beat that horse to death. We know that the Getzey move was a failure. We know that the first year under Matt Nagy was a complete waste of everybody's time and yeah the only thing that that accomplished I think was just getting Justin Fields sacked as much as possible yeah so yeah not ideal to this point to say the least you know uh looking at uh, Kingsbury here it's um wow uh he's somebody I could see them hiring um he's a I mean he's a good fit in the fact that uh he has extensive experience working with quarterbacks he has uh, extensive experience in both college and the NFL. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, like you said, uh, it could be key that he's coming from USC. Well, and I also don't think that it's very likely that teams will be, like, falling all over themselves to try to hire Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach. Right. Again. Like, it did not go well in Arizona. And if he is the offensive coordinator and if the bears draft a quarterback and if he takes that quarterback and turns him into a star then i'm sure he will get another job but if that happens then you know what also has happened the bears then have a star quarterback yeah yeah (laughs) well uh, you know that that would be a good problem to have right and we and we said that same thing when getsy got hired unfortunately that That didn't work out that that did not work um so so I took uh, down some notes about Fields, and um, I haven't given these to Jim. hasn't seen these yet. I'm just gonna throw these numbers at you, and just just reflect on them. You know, whatever you happen to think about them. It, it this is this for for the for the listeners. 
this is pure numbers. This isn't this isn't about how you feel about them. Uh, I mean, this isn't about how I feel about them. It's just about what the numbers say to you. Um, so, uh, this is your standard statistics, right? Uh, attempts. Uh, he had 370 attempts, uh, which was 23rd on the list. Uh, the number one guy was Howell, Sam Howell. He had 612. Okay. So, what's your reflection on that? Just that he was injured for, what, six games? Uh, you know, we, uh, Fields was out for four. Four, yeah. He played. He started 13 games. Yeah, I mean, 23rd, I guess, Fields about. 370, and then, like I said, the number one guy had 612. So, pretty far down the list. Um, so, I, I figured out that 28 quarterbacks had at least 10 starts. Okay. So I kind of looked at it like that. Now, like I said, so he was 23rd out of 28. Well, it's interesting with Fields, too, because we know that there are more pass plays that they called that didn't result in passing attempts. Right. Because he would pull the ball down and run, or at the start of the year specifically, he would get sacked. Yeah. So yeah. so he was, he was, uh, he had 227 completions. Um, which was good for 24th. Uh, the, the number one guy in completions was Prescott with 410. Um, Where was he at in completion percentage? 61.4. Uh, with the 28 quarterbacks with at least 10 starts, he was 26th hmm. in completion percentage. It's not very good. Um Bryce Young was at 59.8, and uh, Zach Wilson was at 60.1. They were the only quarterbacks below him. Remember when Zach Wilson got drafted, what, second overall? Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Now, now that's one of the things that friend of the show, Matt, that's what he's been talking about a lot lately is, you know, he, he thinks that, if you if you're drafting a quarterback in the in the high picks, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to draft a good quarterback, which is true. But at the same time, the context behind that is also that if you're not drafting in the in with a top pick, you're probably not drafting a guy who is ever going to start. Yeah, there's no guarantees, no matter where you're making the pick. But yeah, that completion percentage number is troubling it is because you can't even really blame the wide receivers this year there were some drops obviously and there were a couple plays that stand out where fields made a good throw and the receiver just ran a poor route but i don't think that you can really say that poor receiving play moved the needle in terms of completion percentage this year there's always going to be a play here or there there's always going to be a couple drops but yeah, there's a lot of throws that stand out where the guy was open and Fields yeah. just missed him. Or the ball came out too late and the route was already dead at that point, so you had to throw it away. Like I think that that number does a pretty decent job of telling the story of what the problem is, right? It's just right. not enough completed passes. And Justin has so many flash plays that are great, 
but he doesn't do the routine well enough, and that's why they. That's why he's at the bottom of the league in completion percentage, unfortunately. I love putting it that way. Not enough completed passes. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> not enough. I mean, it's just... Well, when I tell you, when you get to the end of the game, whatever team has scored the most points, they're going to win that game for you. It's a simple game sometimes, right? <laughs> it's funny, too, that he didn't, have, he didn't rank higher in that in that specific statistic just because they threw so many screen passes <laughs> oh my god so it's so, crazy so many completions behind the line of scrimmage so many quick outs to the fullback for whatever yeah. reason right like they, they had a lot of throws that were just very very high percentage completions i i guess i would have expected him to be a little higher but so and and so th- that's another thing too is that okay Let's give let, let's give a little bit in in this scenario and say we upgrade receivers. Um, so it's not just DJ Moore and Komet. However, Komet's uh, both DJ Moore and Komet had excellent uh, um, catch percentages. Yeah. Um, and uh, at their positions, both of them were in the top five in the league. Um, so they did a great job, and they both played every game too, right? And they both played everything, every game. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, now the drop off there, it's not surprising. It w- was a was a cliff, right? <laughs> it was a total, complete drop off. I mean, it, it was as bad as it gets in, as anywhere in the league. Now your your top three guys, I wrote down. Dak Prescott, 69.5%. Brock Purdy, 69.4%. Tua, Mm -hmm. 69.3%. Now, all three of those guys have some good guys to throw to. Yep. And they got a good, deep group to throw to. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Stroud was not too far, but I think Stroud was in the 68 or 67 percentile. Yep. But what I'm wondering about is going from 61 to 69 is pretty unrealistic. An 8% jump at that particular statistic, right? But we shore up the offensive line. We do give him some other options at receiver. We do get a better play caller. How much do you see that gap... um, narrowing sure to go up i don't what we haven't seen yet from justin is an ability to make good receivers into really good receivers or average receivers into good receivers like when you think about some of the other quarterbacks that are at the top of the league they make everyone around them better yeah and yeah uh, yeah, we've certainly seen our fill of that. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, just look at what's going on in Green Bay right now. It, I, I don't think anybody at the beginning of the year looked at the Packers' skill position and said, man, that's one of the best groups in the league. But they've all played really well. Yeah. And in part due to Jordan Love playing well. And you go down to Dallas, and yeah, C.D. Lamb's excellent. But Dak lifts the players around him, at least in the regular season. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
we've seen it with Mahomes this year. I mean, he's got a clown car receiving group, <laughs> and he's still managed to get that team into the playoffs. And Josh Allen, right? I mean, think about how many times you look – at a box score, and you see, oh, Gabe Davis had 200 yards again. Yeah, it, was, um, Stephon Diggs didn't even have that great of a year. No, here's Khalil Shakir. Here's <laughs> Cole, Cole Beasley. Like, just good NFL-capable receivers, but not household names or guys that are going to be in Canton someday. Actually, um, you know who did some of that this year, and I'll actually give him kudos, is Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. He did some of that this year. You know, Cup was back, um, but he wasn't even the focus. I mean, remember how we were talking about the Rams in August? We were like, man, that's going to be one of the worst teams in the world. I really thought so. I, I, at some point, you asked me how many games Stafford was going to play, and I said probably like four. <laughs> so the fact that him and McVeigh got that team to the playoffs is pretty remarkable. But It really is. To answer your question, I think that more talent around Justin <laughs> would help, but... I also haven't seen enough from Justin to say that he can elevate the play of everyone around him, and that's something that you need from the great, great quarterbacks in the league, and that's that's still where I think the Bears need to be setting their sights is you want to be great at the quarterback position. You don't want to be just good, and I know everybody fell in love with Brock Purdy this year, but... Go back and watch the 49ers games in the middle of the year when Trent Williams was out and when Debo was out. And those games tell a completely different story. Yeah, Brock Purdy was not good in those games. So he's a second-year quarterback that was drafted in the seventh round. He's still developing. I'm not saying he's bad. He is obviously very good. But I don't think he's special. And I think that he'll get exposed throughout his career when – his surrounding talent isn't as great as it is currently. So, And his surrounding talent is elite. Yeah, it's best in the league. Yeah. Like, by far. Yeah. And, and, and that includes coaching staff, by the way. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the Tua story as well, because he's got first ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver. He's got a, another receiver that was drafted in the top ten, and he's got a really talented offensive coach. So, situation matters. Yeah. Um, okay, so yards. Uh, he threw for 2,562 yards, which was 22 on the list. Um, I didn't think that was bad, considering, like you said, you know, 2,500? 2,562, yeah. It's kind of crazy that that was that. I guess there were a lot of injuries this year, but I would think there would have been more quarterbacks that threw for more yards than that. So, um, you know, he missed the four games. The most uh, was 4,624. That was from Tua. There was 10 quarterbacks over 4,000 yards, which is the number that you really want to see your quarterback at. Yep. And there was two more that were within 50 yards of being over 4,000. So, essentially, there's your number that you're kind of thinking of. There's 12 quarterbacks in that 4,000-plus range. Mm-hmm. And that's – and is it right the Bears have never had a 4,000-yard Yes, pass that is right. So, yeah, I remember before – 3,800 – I think it's 3,835 yards in 1995, Eric Kramer. <laughs> it's still the record. Hey, uh, I know. Well, we, still a record from 1995. And Justin – one of Justin's – goals that he provided was justin born then 
<laughs> no. He, I don't think. He wasn't born then. In 95? Yeah, he wasn't born yet. No, well, I was born in 94. He's, he's <laughs> so young, you were one. He's younger than me. So, no, he wouldn't have been born. But just one of Justin's goals at the start of the year was he wanted to break 4,000 yards. Yep. Obviously, it did not happen, partially due to injury, but partially just also to poor play. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna say that the season was a failure because he didn't hit 4,000 yards no I, I don't think the season was a failure like I don't think it was a roaring like success I think it was it was somewhere in the middle I think it was pretty good yeah like I, I think that it was a terrible start and then he was injured and then I thought he played pretty well down the stretch and then ended with kind of a whimper at Lambeau I think it was pretty the average like maybe pretty above average i guess you just call it i don't know i i just yeah on a scale of one to ten i would say it was like a six yeah, or a seven yeah i think it was fine I, mean, I think i think that it was enough where if they didn't have the first overall pick and you were saying that it's pretty likely he's going to be the quarterback next year i think Bears fans would be okay with it. I mean, yeah. I, I know they were. They were chanting his name at Soldier Field in the last home game of the year. But what we... But they do have the yeah, number one overall pick. It's That's just the a, thing. It's a unique situation because normally if you've got a quarterback that is at least good, which I think Justin is good, then you're not in the position to have the first overall pick. Like, they're not... They're not... They don't have the first overall pick because of their own incompetence. Yeah. So... It's just kind of unfortunate for him that that's how the cards landed, but that's the situation that the Bears are in right now. And I don't think that if they were picking 11th and 14th that they'd for sure be on the market for a quarterback, but they've got a chance to get a special quarterback, and I I think that's what they're going to do. So uh, moving on to... uh, touchdowns how many touchdowns do you think he threw for uh, i was surprised by this number he started what 11 games he started 13 i would guess 22 he threw for 16 okay i was surprised by that i would have i was guessing around the 20 22 23 kind of area the start of the season was so bad yeah I, it feels like it was a long time ago so you kind of forget but i mean they just kind of threw away a month season there so that was uh he threw for 16 touchdowns that was good for 20th in the league um and uh he um there was uh the the most was Dak Prescott who threw for 36 um and yes there still has been no Bears quarterback with 30 plus touchdowns (laughs) so Uh, he threw for nine interceptions. I, I looked at the numbers, and that was neither good nor bad. Um, now, a touchdown ratio of 16 touchdowns to nine interceptions, you certainly want to see that be better. Yeah, it's not very good. Um, first downs, he threw for 23, for, or pardon me, uh, he was 23rd. He threw for 121 first downs. Uh, number one was Goff. Threw for 227 uh, first downs. Um, now, here's one that I thought was worth focusing on. Adjusted yards per attempt. This is a formula 
that is by Pro Football Reference that I happen to like. Um, instead of your standard just yards per attempt, it uses this formula to kind of give you a better look at what those yards can mean as far as success. Okay. And um, he was, uh, out of 28, uh, he was 18th uh, at 6.7 yards per attempt. Your top two guys were Brock Purdy, 9.9, which is insane. Does this factor in yards after the catch? It does. Okay. It, 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 it's actually... Um, what about air yards? <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, it's, no, it doesn't factor in yards after the catch. Okay. It is a formula, though. It's not just about the yards. Gotcha. Um, but, but at the same time, the numbers between just yards per attempt versus adjusted yards per attempt are not drastically different. Yep, that usually. makes sense. Um, anyway, like I said, Purdy 9.9, which is crazy, but you know, like you said, he has Christian McCaffrey, he has Debo Samuel, who is great yards after the catch. Ayuk had a huge year, um, but number two was Stroud at 8.7, and Stroud's list of receivers isn't exactly stellar. That's what I was talking about with making everyone around you better. Yeah, I mean, he's got some good weapons there i mean I, i've always liked nico collins dalton schultz is a serviceable nfl tight end but i mean noah brown and tank dell yeah. and you know mechie was a third round pick but i mean he really elevated that offense where that look if you go back to september nobody was picking the texans offense to be anything close to good right so that's what you want you want somebody that can just make everyone around him look better and along with that, yards per game, so he was 18th in yards per, uh, adjusted yards per temp, and yards per game, um, he was uh, 21st at 197.1. Um, number one was Stroud, uh, 273.9. Yeah, so like all these, it feels like he's kind of falling into slightly below average, right? kind of less than 16, but, you know, higher than 25. I mean, that feels about right to me. Yeah. I would, if, if, if I had to sit down and write down a list of quarterbacks, like, guy I want to win this game if I had to win the game in front of me today, I think that's probably where I'd rank Justin, is probably in the lower half of the league still. Okay. When you look at the starting quarterbacks, on every team. Um, passer rating, 86.3. Uh, that was good for 19th. Yeah. Um, the number one was Purdy at 113 and Prescott 105.9. Um, sacks, uh, he was fifth in sacks, which is actually, that's an improvement over 2022. Um, <laughs> Sam Howell took 65 sacks. Yeah, he, <laughs> he took a lot of hits. That's brutal. Uh, and Bryce Young took 62. They were the only ones that were over 60 sacks. Yeah, that's that. Rough. That's rough, man. That's a rough start for Bryce Young. <laughs> it is. Uh, so 
Um, and his uh, QBR was 46.2, which was good for 21st. So I just wanted to share those numbers. Those are, you know, those are based on, like I said, 13 starts. Um, and like I said, you know, there was only 28 quarterbacks that had at least 10 starts. It's kind of crazy. So, I, like, I mean, there, there were so many quarterback injuries this year. Now, I, uh, the quarterback that I found whose numbers as far as uh, snaps and starts was about the closest was Desmond Ritter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, fortunately, he, he outdistanced Desmond Ritter in, in, in most of the statistics as I remember it. But yeah, I mean, Desmond Ritter is awful. Yeah, Desmond <laughs> Ritter is terrible. Um, so, uh, the, the defense had 10 sacks through the first, uh, eight games. They had 19 over the last eight. How much Eberflus, how much Montez Sweat? So I've got to remind myself. So they fired Alan Williams after week two, right? Week two, week three. Think week was, three. I think it was before. I think, okay. So I think that he was told to go home before, <laughs> before the Kansas City game, which was week three. And I think they fired him after the Kansas City game. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and Yeah, then, because like he didn't travel to Kansas City. Something like that. And then when did they acquire Sweat? Was that with eight games to go? I thought it was, it, well, it was at the trade deadline. So, so yeah, that's about halfway through the season. I think Sweat had a bigger role than Eberflus just in terms of sacks. I mean, Sweat was a beast for pretty much every game he was here except for that Packers game where nobody played well. But, I mean, I... Williams resigned citing health and family concerns on September 20th. Okay. So, health and safety or family concerns. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, anyway. Whatever that means. Yeah. Uh, I, I think... You saw the change in the defense when Sweat came aboard, and I don't think it's fair to say that Iberflus had nothing to do with it. Also, I think what was happening is just that the defense in general was getting used to playing together a little bit, and they were kind of gelling, and players like Gervon, Gervon Dexter was starting to you know impact the game a little bit more as he got some more reps, but... I think Sweat was very clearly the biggest driver of the improved performance in the second half. I mean, I think if you were watching the games, that's obvious. He was in the backfield all the time. Yeah. And before he was there, the Bears had nobody in the backfield ever. <laughs> so, I mean, he was a nice addition. I, my immediate reaction to that trade when it happened was kind of like, why the heck are they trading a second-round pick for a pass rusher when they're 2-7 or whatever they were at the time? But he was very clearly worth it and the fact that they extended him i mean he's going to be a big part of this defense going forward i hope that they add a good pass rusher opposite him because i think if they do then the pass rush could be a a really big strength of this team going forward yeah i'll take chase young yeah i wouldn't hate that yeah just reunite the washington yeah let's in fact let's uh let's let's take chase young and draft dallas turner That'd be nice. That'd be fun. <laughs> then you can kind of start playing 
matchup games and start lining up one of those guys inside. I used to love when <laughs> when Lovey would do that with Julius Peppers and line him up at like three technique. Yeah. Uh, I They like, moved him everywhere. I'm not comparing any of the people that we just mentioned to Julius Peppers, but uh, if they use one of their first-round picks on pass rusher, I think that'll be a, a pick well spent because I, I still think that's the biggest area of need on the defense by far, right? And yeah. Probably the second biggest need on the team behind wide receiver number two. Would you agree with that? Or Yeah. Um, you know, they, uh, it's, it's, it's hard because right now, uh, it, it's, you, you have pass rusher, which is a, certainly a, a priority. And, uh, like you said, receiver behind, they, they've got to be able to throw the ball to somebody else. And then, well, uh, Braxton Jones is very questionable as the starting left tackle. Mm-hmm. And there is the opportunity to draft one of two guys, either um, Fashionu uh, from Penn State or Alt from Notre Dame. Both of these guys are predicted to be real left tackles not not they were great left tackles in college and now let's move them to guard (laughs) they're supposed to be your classic left tackle this is like 12 year starter yeah yeah a lot of potential in both joe all six foot eight yeah and i don't think that's what they're going to do just because i think both of those guys are gonna go in the top seven ish yeah although you never know i mean with the number of quarterbacks available in this draft you could have like six quarterbacks go in the first six picks at the same time and paris johnson was expected to be available at 10 last yeah, year he shot and up he went at four and he was like the best tackle prospect in that draft and easily yeah that it just was kind of a weak and was kind he, of a weak he doesn't have the rating that these two guys do. And was he playing left tackle this year? I don't even know if he was playing on left or right. Uh, side, he was. Okay. He was. And I think he actually played pretty well for Arizona. Yeah, he, he played okay for Arizona. Not great. But, but both of the players you just mentioned are better prospects yeah, than he was. Yeah. And um, Fashionu in two full years of starting, maybe over two years, one sack ever. Yeah, I've my whole life have wanted the Bears to have just a badass left tackle. Yeah. Like, I've always wanted that position to be addressed, and they just have never really done it. Yeah. John, not since John Tate. Yeah, and even he was like a two- or three-year free agent, right? Like, yeah. I, I want the guy, like, when, when you go down to Atlanta, right, you just look at Jake Matthews, and they drafted him, like, 12 years ago in the top ten, and he's yeah. just, like, still there. Yeah. I, so, someone like that. So someone that you just take and you just have that position cemented for a decade. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. Just because, first of all, that means you're definitely passing on quarterback, at least in the first round. And that means you're also passing on receiver, which I don't think is that far-fetched. I don't know that they're going to go receiver that high. But if you take a quarterback at any point in the top, five like if if they decide to hold the pick and draft first overall or if they trade it back and then still draft a quarterback i don't think you're getting one of those left tackles 
No. Um, they're they're going to go very high. Like you said, even with the quarterbacks pushing them down, um, you, you don't get guys that are super athletic with their size very often. And um, both of them have extensive experience at left tackle. Both of them have really good metrics when it comes to that. And both of them played for high-profile programs. So it, 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 just, it just doesn't happen. And well, I mean, Braxton Jones, you know, he's from southern Utah. Yeah, he, right? was, he was really bad towards the end of the season. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, we like we like Braxton Jones. It's just that, you know, uh, his it looks like his ceiling has been reached, and his ceiling is not where we need it to be. Right. I I wasn't a huge fan of them just giving him the job at the start of the year. I didn't yeah. think I didn't think he did enough last year to be the unquestioned starter for the entire 2023 season, but that's what he was. And I think for the most part, he played okay. He really struggled down the stretch, and he also missed a few games with an injury. I'm sure those two things are connected, but I don't project him as like a Hall of Fame left tackle. No. I think he is probably good to average somewhere in there and serviceable. But certainly would be an awesome swing tackle to have. Yeah, but if, if he if he was in the draft again today, no one would be projecting him as a top ten pick. No, which is what both the players that you just listed off are projected as. So if they do decide that they don't want a quarterback and they do take the best left tackle available and then figure it out from there with Braxton Jones and with the other offensive linemen that are currently on the roster, then I would be totally okay with that. Now, there is, you know, also the rumor that maybe they go and um, they tra- they trade down from one to, say, two, mm-hmm. and then two to, say, four, yeah. and they could probably still draft one of those guys in that, in that range. Um, that was something that almost happened last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he almost did make a multiple trade down um but basically carolina agreed to everything that he wanted and so it was a you know a bird in hand situation hey you know i i've, I've got this and this is a great deal and i'm not going to pass it up yeah i mean you, you can't pass up a chance to get a wide receiver the caliber of dj Moore. i'll tell you i really like the idea of getting possession of that new england pick just because i think new england's terrible right now and i'm not inspired by the gerard mayo hire at least not for next year so if you can find a way to get possession of that pick then you're i think there's a pretty good chance that you're picking inside the top three again yeah next year and i mean he 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 made an excellent trade i I mean yes uh you know in hindsight um, you know, should they have gone for C.J. Stroud? Well, you can't do that. Hi, you know, th- it, that doesn't work. That you you made the decision that you made, and it improved the team, yeah. and it put us in position to be in control of what happens with the off season. So overall, there's no way you don't look at that trade and say it was a good deal. Yeah, and there's some revisionist history going on with the Stroud thing, and look. 
like you said, in hindsight, would it be nice if the Bears had drafted C.J. Stroud and traded Justin Fields and if C.J. Stroud had played as well on the Bears as he did for the Texans this year? Absolutely. But if you rewind to last March, there wasn't one person, not one fan, not one media member, not one draft analyst that was saying, draft C.J. Stroud, Chicago Bears. Right. Like, like nobody was saying that. And no one. I understand that Actually, everybody was saying... Don't do this, that. Yeah, this, this quarterback group is not that great. And I understand that the Bears front office, it's their job to scout and to make decisions that aren't necessarily influenced by all the people I just said, but like all the Bears fans that are like now trying to say that Ryan Pohl should be criticized for not drafting cj stroud it's like come on that's yeah. n- nobody had that opinion before the draft so right you, you don't get yeah play. it's not like he it's not like he traded up from number three to to number two and and you know drafted a, a quarterback instead of drafting a hall of flame player yeah, and I mean it wasn't like he did that. And and the tan- the, <laughs> the, tan- the tantrums that would have been thrown if they had done that. So you, you don't get the Monday morning quarterback to that degree, I don't think. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, I mean, I I still think they're gonna take their guy at quarterback with their pick, and I don't know if they're gonna pick first overall or if they're gonna try to trade down and then draft somebody besides Caleb Williams, but. If I had to put a bet on it, I think that they walk away with a quarterback from that first overall pick. Is that where you're at, or if you had to bet on it right now? So if I had to bet on it right now, uh, I'm betting that they go with JF1. Um, I, uh, Jim and I were talking, and, and um, one of the things Brad Biggs has been talking about for at least two months now in all of his uh, posts has been that he just hopes that the Bears either go all in on Fields or they draft their guy. And I am 100% in with that. That's what I would prefer to see. But I was saying to Jim earlier, I have this hunch that they're going to try and hedge their bet and take keep fields and then take a guy too that's like in the latter part of the first round or a second round guy and to me that is that's not putting both feet into the canoe no and and normally when you do that the results you get are not favorable no i agree don't no half measures here. Yeah. Like, we've seen it for far too long. I'd argue that keeping Matt Eberflus already is kind of a half measure. Agreed. Because I don't think that Matt Eberflus has a ceiling as a great head coach. I just, not based on what I've seen. But yes. putting that aside, we spent a whole episode complaining about that last week. But <laughs> I agree. Like, what I don't want to happen is exactly what you just said, which is keep Justin, but also draft a quarterback, and then you've got the quarterback competition, and then six games into the season, everyone yeah. in the fan base is ready for the drafted quarterback to take over. Like, Pick your guy. And that doesn't mean that whoever you draft necessarily has to start right away. Like, If they want to 
draft a quarterback in the first round and then bring in kind of the bridge quarterback, someone like Ryan Tannehill to start a few games so that the rookie can kind of just get a feel for the NFL, then I won't necessarily be opposed to that. Although I guess I say that now thinking back to what, <laughs> I, thinking back to what I was saying about Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, maybe yeah. I, I won't be, I won't have that opinion come training camp, but yeah, I, I think it needs to be either first round quarterback or Justin Fields, like not both. I, I don't, I, I'm not interested in seeing them middle it like you just described. Yeah. And, um, you know, if they, uh, if they go the fields route where, um, you know, they're looking at what pieces that we need to add around him, it does. It goes back to uh, they have to shore up the offensive line. Um, in my opinion, one of those uh, left tackles would be a key, a key player. Uh they definitely have to improve the receiving core. This is an extremely deep draft for the for the receiving core and center. Yeah, center, center has to be a priority for sure. And I, they need to sign and draft a center. That that sounds like a good idea to me because it, it, having just throwing a guy in there, we've watched that happen for what, three to five years now. It, it's it's garbage. They of, have to fix that. That was one of the worst parts of the season was the center play. Yeah. I mean, th- there were multiple games where the guy they had at center couldn't snap the ball. Yeah. I mean, that that's a problem. Not acceptable at the NFL yeah. level. Yeah. And they, they went through three centers, and they were all terrible. Yeah. Lucas Patrick was the best one, and he, he was terrible. He wasn't good. No. He, he was the best of the bad. I mean, the guy they had in that game at Lambo Feeney it's just like get him out of here the uh, common man yeah I the best of the worst and by the way I, <laughs> I I'm I think draft and sign a big receiver is also something they need to do and I'm sure they will draft at least one receiver and by the way they've already drafted two and they've both been awful yeah I, that is a that's a little concerning too because uh, you know, receiver is certainly a position that they've had trouble getting right as well for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they did, Poles did an excellent job, as we just reflected in in the in the trade, getting DJ Moore. Um, Moore has turned out. Biggs said it too. I think he's exceeded my expectations for this year. He did an excellent job in every aspect of the game, too. Yards after the catch, uh, his catch percentage, just being a dynamic player on the field, right? But they have a severe gap between him and everybody else, and that has to be mitigated. And so far, the JJ was a total disaster. Uh, and I was one of the people that actually tried to justify that pick. I, I'll admit it. And it, wow, is he awful. And Tyler Scott has not looked like he has any real talent either. So, you know, obviously he's a young kid and we can see him grow. But, um, and it, he, he actually, his pedigree at Cincinnati was actually pretty good. His numbers are pretty good from there. Yeah, I mean... 
with him, I'm not ready to write him off because I think a lot of the mistakes we saw this year could be chalked up to just he's a rookie and he's learning. But sure. Like you said, I mean, Valus Jones and Claypool were both such disasters. Oh, that one. I mean, it's just like... I think I've tried to delete him from my memory. Like, bo- both of those players were, like, so beyond just, like, normal bad. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, like, we can't have these guys out here. Like, get them out of here. And I agree, DJ Moore, obviously great pickup, but that's not genius scouting. No. Like, 32 out of 32 general managers, if they had a chance to acquire DJ Moore, would have done it. Yeah. Like that, that's, not, uh, that, that's not exactly going out on a, on a limb. <laughs> so, like, great trade, but I... That is not uncovering the diamond in the rough. Yeah, no, that's not finding Puka Nakua in the round. So. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the, the drafting of receivers has been concerning because Jones, terrible, Scott... I expected a little bit more from as a rookie. And, I did too. You know, we'll see what happens with him next year, but and 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 this is uh, also in the mix uh, when you look at last year. We had Dante Pettis and Equinemia St. Brown and yeah. what is that guy's name? Taylor, whatever the punt return guy, who's terrible. The nice thing about like the last like the last four bear seasons is I get to the end and like. By the time I'm home from watching the last game, I've already forgotten half the roster. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the guy that you just said, I don't even remember. <laughs> Trent, who cares? Yeah, who, who, who gives a shit? It's gone. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that was the guy that you had to bring in to catch punts because Velas Jones couldn't catch a punt. Oh, my God. So, not great. Um, I think that... What I've said before on this podcast, which is that I want wide receiver two next year to be a veteran, I still think is true. Yeah. And I don't mean like a Dante Pettis veteran. Like I want them to go out and get Mike Evans or Michael Pittman or T. Higgins, Higgins, somebody of that ilk, because I just don't need somebody learning on the job at that position next year. And then I think they should also draft a wide receiver in the second or third round, which sucks because you've already spent three draft picks now to bring in Claypool, Jones, and Scott. Yeah. And that's not even including what you had to bring in to get more. So, like, it sucks to have to sink more draft capital into that position, but you've got to do it because you just need more weapons than what you've got here right now. So, uh, scenario, Bears do not take a quarterback. Bears drop down, say one or two picks Mm -hmm. and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at, say, three. What do you think? I wouldn't be mad about it. I understand using a receiver, drafting a receiver that high is probably not the most efficient use of resources, but he's so good. If you wanted to add that talent to the locker room, I I wouldn't complain about it. Do you think... um, Do you think they... Now, that's a huge commitment of resources. That's the way I look at that, right? And do you think that Poles is looking at he'll draft a guy like that and then give big money to the aforementioned T. Higgins or Michael Pittman or most, the probably Mike Evans would be the most likely one. 
I'm wondering if Mike Evans escapes Tampa because it doesn't make sense for them to let him go. He might not, especially because they were a lot better than most people thought this year. Uh, if Evans hadn't been there, they would have had a garbage season. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I mean, he's been in the that league. That connection that Mayfield and him had was really well. It was really well done. And he's been in the league, what, nine years, and he's had 1,000 yards every year? Yeah. I mean, that's remarkable yeah it's surprising that they didn't sign him last year they kind of played Jalen Johnson with it I think that they were planning to rebuild and I I just think they were better than they expected and Baker was better than they expected yeah I don't know if he'll be available I I don't know if any of the guys I just listed off will be available because really good wide receivers typically don't find new homes yeah you just they, they stick around and teams figure it out but you know, uh, that brings up um, somebody I thought that got overpaid, but he's turned out to really have earned his deal is Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, thought, I thought he got overpaid for what he did. Um, and that's not, that's not a criticism as in, oh, I don't think a player should make as much money as he can. Yes, I do think that. But I just felt like they paid more than the market should be for a player of his caliber but he's really shown at Jacksonville to be better than reliable. Yeah, he was really good his first year of that deal, and then this year he was pretty good until he got hurt. Yeah. So, I agree. And, look, the Bears have salary cap money to play around with. Like, yeah. That's why Mike Evans is appealing to me, because I don't think, just because he is a little bit older, I don't think that you're going to be tying up money like four or five years down the road. I think I think he's 29. Yeah, so I think he'll probably get, you know, a three-year deal, which, I mean, in general, most NFL contracts are three-year deals anyway. But I, Of course, this year he was balling like he was 24, so... Yeah, I mean, I think that I trust him to keep producing until he doesn't. I mean, the consistency is... He's one of the most consistent players in the NFL over the last... Very professional. Years. So, I'd love it to add him. I don't know if he'll be available, but I want... Somebody that's a veteran that is productive at wide receiver two this year, even if they draft Harrison. Yeah, I, I, I just I'm sick of having one or none like qualified NFL receivers on the Bears. <laughs> it's been it's been enough of that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, up up until this year, I couldn't even say one, but now they can at least say one. Yeah. Uh, so yay. Uh, so um. Yeah, uh, the uh, the other spot, um, if we're if we're looking at just the offense, um, I personally think that they need to draft another running back. Yeah. What do you think about that? I agree. I mean, I, while uh, I was surprised, um, I, I gave you this trivia question. I was interested to see who led the team in yards from scrimmage. And number one, of course, was DJ Moore, um, by far. But number two, it was Khalil Herbert. And that surprised me. Yeah, me too. I would not. It would, I would have been here all day. I, I, I asked, I think, eight different people, and none of them got it right. And I wouldn't have got it right either. Um, it, now, he was just, he edged Komet by about, like, 
I think it was about 50 yards, right? So Komet was pretty close. But it was a big drop-off from Moore down to Herbert. And considering that Herbert didn't even start all the games, he I think he started nine. Yeah, he was out for a while. Yeah. Uh, I just, I felt like, there should, the number two person number should be a lot closer to number one. There shouldn't be that big of a gap. And number two, I don't feel like Herbert had a great year as a, just when he was playing, except for a couple of games towards the end of the season. I think it was pretty noticeable when he came back from the injury that he wasn't 100%. Yeah. I feel like he got a little better after the bye, but... I mean, to me, you, you can never go wrong just adding more running backs. I liked a lot of what I saw from Roshan. Yeah. He missed several games as well. So if you just want to add another young running back to that room, then I'd be all for it. I mean, you could almost make the argument you just draft one every year. Yeah. But Roshan Johnson was also a fourth-round pick. Like, yeah. When you're drafting a running back – in on on day one or two like you kind of need them to be your bell cow for a few years there so i think that's what the plan will be going into next year but we just know with running backs i mean they get hurt you know sometimes you just get some rando that you pick up as a street free agent and they just show up and they're just like randomly the best running back on the team all of a sudden so it's isaiah pacheco yeah keaton mitchell on baltimore this year it's just a weird position so I agree that I, I think they should add another 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 player to that room, and I, I don't know that we'll see Dante Foreman back. Yeah, he um he is free agent. Yeah, I feel like that was kind of a one and done, and they'll maybe bring in a veteran to replace him, someone just similar contract, give him a couple million bucks, and just kind of get some carries and fill in when there's injuries. But yeah, I mean if it's yeah, he'll probably be, Foreman, I would guess, would be like, um, you know, if he wants to come back at the right number, Poles would Poles would do that. But he also feels kind of like a floater. Like, you know, I could easily see him on a different team. Yeah, I don't, year. I don't expect him back. I think no. that was just kind of a someone to carry the ball while the Bears were still rebuilding. Yeah, and I think we saw some good stuff, though, from Rojo. Yeah. Um, I think he uh, showed uh, uh, good vision, uh, good burst at the line, good size for his uh, and uh, speed combination, and uh, good ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which is um, so important now. Yeah, and for a while you just didn't know what was going on because he started the year and wasn't getting a ton of reps and then he got the concussion and he was just gone for like a month and whenever that happens you know there's obviously bigger concerns even than football but yeah it seemed like he got healthy and when he was playing towards the end of the season I agree I liked what I saw I thought he had quite a bit of juice there more so than either Foreman or Herbert so wouldn't be surprised if he's the starter next year and then yeah I mean we'll see if Herbert's back we'll see if Foreman's back but I think there's definitely room to add as well nice yeah any finals? I don't think so. I guess just I, I didn't really have a ton of takeaways from the wild card weekend. I no. It was pretty boring for the most part other than the Detroit game, which looked like a lot of fun. I, I, I admit I was surprised that 
Green Bay went in and thumped uh, uh, Dallas, Dallas as bad as they did um, at Dallas. Uh, and I can't believe that Mike McCarthy is going to keep his job. Yeah. I mean, everybody said, oh, he's fired. And I, I think I remember actually hearing people say it towards the end of the game. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, somehow uh, they decided to stick with him. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I didn't understand why they hired him in the first place. Yeah. And I heard today he's the winningest coach in Cowboys regular season history, which is wow. pretty remarkable. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same story with the Cowboys every year. Like, no matter who the coach is, they're always super talented. Over Jimmy Johnson? Yeah, I guess. I wouldn't have guessed it, but I guess that's right. But, but you know, I also didn't realize that he had been with the team for four years. Yeah, he's been there a bit. And, like, I I, I guess the other takeaway is that I, I've heard, I've just seen a lot of Bears fans, like, dismayed over the fact that Jordan Love played well. And I agree, it's obviously not ideal to see that the Packers maybe have another good quarterback, but... How about the Bears get a good quarterback and team of their own? Yeah, instead exactly. Of, instead of worrying so much about what they're doing, how about we focus more collective energy on just, let's get a good Bears team yeah. instead of worrying about what the Packers are doing. Yeah. Because you know what you're allowed to do? You're allowed to go up there and beat the Packers regardless of who the quarterback is. Like, yeah. It, whether it's Favre or Rodgers or Bart Starr or if they – somehow end up with a fourth consecutive great quarterback it's just like how about the bears get a good team and the bears go up and beat them regardless that's yeah that's what that's what the 80s were i mean obviously uh you know celebrating the 80s now is 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 silly because it was so long ago but that's exactly what mike dicka wanted to do his whole focus wasn't about um, you know, what is everybody else doing? His whole focus was, I want to build this team and I want to build it the way I see uh, that I, the way I see fit. And he did. And he, and he built a winner. And that's what Poles has been saying that he wants to do is build a winner from the ground up. Take the North. And yeah, it's just on Bears Twitter. It's just everybody just all in their fields because, oh my God, the Packers are good again. It's like, Fine. Yeah. Like, how about the Bears get good? Yeah. And then we go beat the Packers. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, the the thing is, is that um, they uh, they have to be aware of it because uh, the Packers are a young, good team, and they're showing it. Uh, they weren't supposed to be this good this year, but they are. That's just the way it is. Yeah, this is a and, re- rebuilding year for them. You know, uh, um, and Detroit won the division and won their first playoff game for the first time since the Stone Age. Yeah. So I don't think they were wearing helmets the last time they did it. So the, uh, the, the, the point is is that they can do whatever they need, whatever they're doing. The Bears need to focus on making sure that they get the one position on the field right that they have had so struggled at for so many years. Yeah, I mean, believe me, if... The Bears need any other motivation than they've got the wrong people in the job. Yeah. Because it's clear. I mean, it's not like the Vikings were even a bad team this year either. I mean, they ended up with a bad record because they got completely derailed by quarterback injuries. Mm-hmm. But it's obvious to anybody watching the Bears are still the fourth best team in the division. So Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I was talking to a buddy earlier. Um, Kirk Cousins was actually 
when you look at it, he was the number one quarterback in the league when he got hurt. He was having like the best year of his career. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he was torching it. So, uh, and, you know, I won't put it past that guy to come back and be that good again next year. No. Uh, especially if he's throwing to Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson again. Yeah. Is he under contract? No, he's not. He's unrestricted free agent, and that is going to be expensive. Kirk Cousins, Chicago Bear. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave the audience with that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, so uh, that's it for this week. Uh, give them the stuff. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Hope you enjoy the divisional playoff rounds, and thank you for listening. What do you think uh, What do you think about Packers and Niners? I think the Niners should win. I'll tell you, the, the Packers, if they find a way to win that game, I would – not be surprised if they're representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, um, uh, they that was a pretty convincing win. They really took it to Dallas's defense. That was the most surprising thing to me. Yeah, they're good. I think. I mean, the 49ers are better. They're going to have more rest. I think the 49ers should win the game. I mean, I think they're nine and a half point favorites. So I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm not like making some grand proclamation no. there, but I I was impressed by the Packers. They played well. And the Niners, oh, is certainly better than uh, the Cowboys. And the Packers' defense just stinks, though. I yeah. I know that they played well in Dallas, but I think Mike McCarthy's a bad coach, too. So I think Kyle Shanahan will be able to get enough versus that Packers' defense that I think the 49ers are, are moving on. Yeah, and um, what's the other NFC? Lions and Bucks. Li- yeah, Lions. Lions should win that one. Yeah. How about a, I mean, just what a break for the Lions. I mean, not a break, but I mean, the fact that they end up in the divisional playoffs round facing the Bucks. I know. Versus like the Cowboys or the Eagles. I mean, just in terms of talent, what a favorable match. Yeah, the the Lions could end up in the Super Bowl. They sure it's could. It's possible. I don't think the Lions are going to They go don't out. know what that's like. I don't think the Lions <laughs> are going to be able to go out in San Francisco and win, but they should be in the NFC Championship game at least, which, yeah, good for them. Well, anyway, everybody enjoy the games. Bear down. Yep. Thanks, everyone.